House Republicans elect a new nominee for speaker and another member of the chamber resigns. Welcome to Grand Divisions. This is the week of July 22nd. This is a special Wednesday edition. I'm Joel Ebert. And I'm Natalie Allison. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Sorry for the delay this week. We wanted to uh, just have a a podcast after uh, the House Speaker's race has been settled. Uh, Now we know that the next nominee and effectively the next House Speaker will be Cameron Sexton. Uh, Natalie and I spent the the good portion of the morning attending the House Republican Caucus meeting in the Capitol building uh, in the old Supreme Court chamber and essentially heard the pitches of all six candidates uh, with Cameron Sexton uh, coming out on top. He came out on top. Uh, he was, you know, he was believed to be one of the the front runners in this race. Uh, there were some surprises though. A lot of people were saying that it was, it was a race between Cameron Sexton and Matthew Hill, Cameron Sexton being the current caucus chairman, Matthew Hill being the deputy speaker. Um, but what we saw was that Matthew Hill actually got out before, you know, one of the final rounds. It came down to Cameron Sexton and Curtis Johnson, Curtis Johnson being a representative who had unsuccessfully run against Cassida in November's caucus election for speaker. He came in second that time too, as he did today. And in both times sort of ran on this platform of, of not being Cassida, of um, not being an embarrassment or um, sowing any kind of scandal uh, in, in the caucus and that he would uh, unite the members of the House Republican Caucus. None of the candidates uh, at today's gathering essentially mentioned Cassida's name, but all sort of alluded to needing to turn the page, uh, moving on to a a next chapter. Um, Cameron Sexton in his pitch said, A, we need to have unity, but also uh, he vowed to not hire any of these legislative uh, employees who were uh, hired, i.e. Kate Cawthron, Sean Hatmaker, and Michael Lotfi, who all worked under Glenn Cassida. Um, he later elaborated on that during a press conference, but his appeal essentially was, I'm not vowing to make no changes. I'm going to make some minor tweaks around the edges, um, but we all need to uh, shine as individuals. Uh, and he thinks that the, the the caucus essentially, or the speaker's position should not be one that is uh, leading with a heavy hand uh, so much as empowering other members. Yeah, so, so- what uh, Sexton said about not hiring um, those operatives back was actually the same thing that that Matthew Hill had said uh, in his speech. Matthew Hill actually specifically named those people that you named, Catherine, Lotfi, and Hatmaker, who no longer work for the state, any of them. Um, Cameron Sexton didn't, but as you mentioned, he he did allude to the fact that uh, those people would not be hired back on, presumably as state employees. Um, And he even went a step further and said that some people who currently are working, um, presumably for the state in the legislature, would also be fired and or or may be fired. And so, you know, that does raise the question of of which employees is he talking about? And and there certainly are other employees there who are in a way seen as uh, political operatives, despite you know, having jobs in the legislature. Uh, I did follow up with with Cameron Sexton at the avail afterward and clarified whether uh, the caucus would continue to do business with any of of these folks who have been canned. And he said that that was going to be a decision that was up to the House Republican caucus that as speaker, he he wouldn't necessarily prohibit someone like Michael Lotfi from from doing business with the caucus. Here's a, a couple of quick excerpts from the media avail that Sexton had immediately after uh, his victory. 
first order of business is to uh, talk to all the members again, talk about what they have passion in and what committees they like to serve on, make sure everybody's in the right place so we can be successful. How do you regain trust in this office? Well, I think it's it's uh, it's slow at time. I think the members uh, look at different things different ways, and so I think as we move forward, we'll move together as a unity and uh, and do things that will build our relationships with one another. Your message, I believe you said, or you hinted that some people that work for the house might not work anymore here, might not have a job under your speakership. Can you explain more? Well, what I said, well, what I would say is, is um, there's a lot of new people who are hired, and we just need to make sure that, that people are doing the job they're supposed to do and, and that they're qualified to do the job they're supposed to do, and we're going to look at it all from top to bottom. How will you work across the aisle and work with Democrats? Do you think you need them, or are they kind of an afterthought? No, I mean, we, we need to work together as a body. The Speaker represents the General Assembly, and so we need to work together as a body. And the one thing I've talked to members about as I travel the state, about getting outside Nashville and really doing community service projects in the communities as a body, Republicans and Democrats, so that way we, we can develop those relationships, and it's just not Nashville-based, it's personal. And so that's what one thing we'd like to do. Back on the, the Lafayette Havaker situation, you had said uh, you wouldn't employ those people in the Speaker's office. What about with the caucus? Would you prohibit them from doing business with the caucus? Well, I think my, my statement was more general. I didn't say speaker's office. I said they would not be hired. So I think that's a more uh, broad. Would, would you support them to continue to do business with the caucus as consultants? That's a uh, decision by the caucus based on the vendors that they select, based on the pricing and the uh, ability and the quality of the job that they do. So that would be based on the caucus making that decision, not the speaker's office. One more, please. Again, to recap what occurred this morning, uh, there were four rounds of voting. Uh, there were six candidates for office uh, for the speakership, including Jay Reedy, uh, Mike Carter, Matthew Hill, Ryan Williams, and Cameron Sexton, Curtis Johnson being the last one. Uh, the first round, Reedy lost, got a whole one vote. Um, then we saw uh, Ryan Williams and Mike Carter fall off of the race after they both tied. They took themselves out of the running, uh, and that left Cameron Sexton, uh, Johnson, and um, Matthew Hill. Hill ended up only getting 20 votes. Um, Hill, of course, had been sort of taking a page out of House Speaker Glenn Cassidy's uh, playbook, uh, where he was taking members out, including as recently as this week, um, trying to curry favor and votes with his colleagues. But evidently, uh, his argument and his pitch to his colleagues was not enough uh, to overcome, you know, the deficit he faced and, and, you know, the three rounds that he had. Yeah. It, it's interesting seeing how things turned out for them because, you know, from, from our perspective, you know, we are, we aren't, we aren't these members who are being contacted, but from our out, outside perspective, it seemed like what Cameron was doing in his bid was, was pretty under the radar. It was on the download compared to Matthew Hill, who, who openly bragged to us about, yeah, I'm handing out thousand dollar checks. And, um, he wasn't really trying to keep a secret. The fact that he was hosting dinners at steakhouses, which is, you know, along the lines of some of what Cassidy had done, um, in his run up to becoming speaker and courting the votes of his colleagues. Cameron, on the other hand, um, actually didn't officially say he was in the race for a long time. You had all of these, these other members who <laughs> openly announced, yeah, I'm running for speaker. And me in the most backdoor and weird way where he's just like, yeah, next story, you're right. You could just include me. That yeah. I'm and, and, and from what I understand, you know, had gone out of his way to, to say to reporters when we asked him, no, you know, I'm not officially in the race, right. but it was understood by everyone that he, he was making calls and he was, um, 
trying to drum up support. And so it's, it's interesting to see how that played out for someone like Matthew, who um, really put himself out there. In the aftermath of this vote, it'll be interesting to see how uh, the Matthew Hill, Micah Van Haas, Timothy Hill, um, you know, you could throw in Andy Holtz of the world, that wing of the Republican Party uh, plays a role in the upcoming uh, legislative session, the special session, but largely the, the uh, second um, part of the 111th General Assembly. In the past, that group has sort of played a, a uh, you know, a thorn in the side of the Speaker, specifically uh, House Speaker Beth Harwell. They were elevated by House Speaker Glenn Cassida. And now that Cameron Sexton uh, is in control, it will be interesting to see how he either folds them in or, or tries to limit their role in any way. Uh, it wouldn't be shocking to see some lose their uh, chairmanship. Uh, it wouldn't be shocking to see uh, some some offices be moved. Um, but, you know, again, uh, if Cameron Sexton does want party unity, he might have to uh, just settle with some of, uh, you know, the disagreements he could or or could not have with some of these more um outspoken members. Sure. And and who knows what he will or won't do with Matthew Hill, but it seems like Matthew Hill potentially stands to have the most to lose here because under Cassidy, he was made deputy speaker. He was made chairman of the ethics committee, the ethics subcommittee, the 10 care committee, the rules committee. I may be missing something, but he, he was given a lot of influence and power uh, under Cassida, and I, I don't know that he will retain all of that. In the short term, uh, we are in te- anticipating House Speaker uh, Cassida to effectively uh, exit his seat on August 2nd. From there, it sounds like uh, Representative Bill Dunn, who is Speaker Pro Tem, will sort of hold a, a placeholder position as the uh, de facto speaker. Um, he will mostly just be for ceremonial purposes, I imagine, perhaps any signatures that need to be done. Uh, And then by August 23rd, that's when um, the special session will be held. There will be a formal vote in the chamber, including Democrats, uh, who will then vote on the actual nominee. Uh, I would imagine the Democrats might put up uh, one of their candidates, possibly Karen Camper, who was um, their leader uh, and was the, the direct opponent to Glenn Cassida, in January, um, but we will expect uh, Cameron Sexton to to come out on top of that race as well. And as a reminder, uh, there there likely won't be any kind of funny business at that special session as, as far as you know there being a coup for a different speaker nominee. The uh, the members of the House Republican Caucus, per bylaws, are required to vote for the caucus's nominee in that floor election, or else they would face expulsion from the caucus. And, and one of the f- quick first early things he might face too is an issue on David Byrd. Uh, you've got some uh, members, including Gloria Johnson, who's a Democrat, saying she wants to advance an expulsion resolution specifically during the special session. Sexton has said he prefers them to take that issue up essentially in January. Um, so that might be a very quick and ugly fight publicly uh, uh, very early on for the new speaker. Yeah. And even, you know, regardless of what does or doesn't happen during special session, even when we move into January, it, it doesn't seem like uh, Cameron Sexton is clamoring to get David Byrd out of the General Assembly, um, you know, when we asked him just recently the other day what he thought, he, like actually several of the other speaker candidates, uh, portrayed the issue as one that should be up to David Byrd's voters. David Byrd, of course, is the lawmaker accused of sexually assaulting several teenagers in the 1980s uh, when he was their basketball coach and teacher. Um, but Cameron Sexton said that, you know, this this happened over 30 years ago and, and his constituency put him back in the legislature. So it, it 
it would be somewhat of a surprise if Cameron Sexton really um, aggressively, you know, went after getting rid of David Byrd. In other legislative news, uh, we found out Tuesday night that uh, Representative Bill Sanderson of uh, Kenton, uh, a Republican, is going to resign. He has uh, already uh, resigned. It became effective noon on Wednesday. Um, he's citing uh, personal reasons, family, business reasons as sort of the driving force behind this and something he had thought about for months. Uh, but there is speculation out there that there are other reasons behind his decision. Yeah, there are certainly rumors swirling around the Capitol and online and on Twitter and and whatnot. Um, the the reason he has given us though is that um, he wants to spend more time with his family and working at his winery. Uh, you talk to him about those things, and and that is that's what he said. He denied that anyone was, um, or I think maybe you asked him specifically, was Cassida putting him up to this or did anyone pressure him into making this decision, which is being that. suggested. And he, he said no. And uh, of course the last resignation that we had seen in the Tennessee general assembly uh, from a member in the middle of their, their term. And, and I guess a, a general assembly was Mark Lovell who resigned in 2017 uh, amid allegations that he uh, inappropriately touched uh, at least one, possibly more women. Uh, he also cited uh, plans to go back and be with his family, despite just being uh, newly added to office just days before uh, that incident. And then finally, as we look to wrap up, uh, the Republican caucus is going to gather the night before the August 23rd special session, specifically to choose a successor to uh, Cameron Sexton, who held uh, for, I guess, just now it'll be eight months or so. Yeah, not very long. uh, The House Republican caucus chairman position. That's a position that, you know, essentially could uh, identify another new leader in, in the House of Representatives. I, I'm sure it's it's probably fair to say that, that Cameron Sexton did benefit from having that position when it came to the speaker's race. He was part of leadership this session and um, played a, an important role in determining, you know, which direction the House was going to go. Um and overseeing some of the members and and what they were doing politically. Um, so it'll be interesting to see who steps up to run for that and ultimately who uh, maybe becomes, you know, one of the, the next leaders in the House as we kind of enter into a new post-Cassida era. And of course, Glenn Cassida previously held that position only to jump to the majority leader spot and then eventually the speakership. So it is a good uh, uh, sort of propeller to uh, higher office within the Republican Party and the legislature. That's it for Grand Divisions this week. Uh, We appreciate you tuning in on a Wednesday. We will be back next Tuesday at our usual uh, date. As usual, please check us out uh, wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on Twitter at Grand Divisions 3. I'm Joel Ebert. And I'm Natalie Allison. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. 